It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. One of the great questions of life is, are we alone? Now, here's what I mean. Is our very existence just the chance coming together of the right amino acids? Or is there something more? Is there a God? And if there is a God, then who is he? You know, over the last several weeks, we have seen and demonstrated over and over again that God is real and he does exist. Even more, we have seen that he is a personal God and that he cares for you and for me and desires to enter into a meaningful relationship with each and every one of us. We have seen that as we have studied the book of Daniel, this revealed about the very character of God. As we study the book of Daniel, it is important to note that it is roughly divided into two major sections. Chapters 1 through 6 are the first section, and chapters 7 through 12 make up the second section. The first section of chapters 1 through 6 is primarily historical in nature. Here's what I mean. Mostly the contents of chapters 1 through 6 are stories and events that occurred in Babylon during the lifetime of Daniel. Now, the second section places more emphasis on prophecy. And as we study, we will see some of the most amazing and precise prophecies in all of the Bible. Today, in our time together, we will focus on the very last chapter of the historical section, chapter 6. You know, it seems with each chapter of Daniel that we have studied, we have found test after test of probability. And each of those tests are passed by God with flying colors. Each of those tests demonstrates certainty in the Bible and point to the certainty of the Old and the New Testament as books that can be trusted as the infallible Word of God. Now, as we turn our attention to Daniel 6, we will highlight once again a number of highly unusual or improbable events and how those events will demonstrate that we can have certainty in God's Word. Let's begin our study today by reading the first three verses of the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over 
the whole realm. Now, this is a fascinating situation. You'll remember that the Babylonians were defeated by the Medo-Persians. At that time, Daniel was a resident of Babylon. And now Darius, the leader of the Medo-Persians, he chose Daniel as the chief governor over the entire realm of the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, this in and of itself is an extraordinarily improbable turn of events. Why, might you ask? Well, because Daniel already had three strikes against him in being chosen for this important position. Number one was his age. Number two, he belonged to a captive race. And number three, the usual practice that occurred when one nation took over another nation was to eliminate the previous nation's leaders. But let's take a closer look at each of those factors. Now, you'll remember that when Daniel was deported to Babylon in 605 BC, he was approximately 18 years old. Now, this appointment to be chief governor here in Daniel 6 must have taken place sometime around 539 BC or 538 BC after the Medo-Persians had defeated Babylon. So what does all this mean? It means that Daniel was somewhere around 85 years old when Darius appointed him as chief governor. Now, I don't want to offend any of my 85-year-old viewers out there, but in ancient times, most 85-year-olds were thought to have lost their mental edge that they once had, and they were thought to have had their physical abilities deteriorated. In fact, the reality is that even now, many 80-something-year-olds would rather that younger men take up responsibilities that a high-pressure job like the head of state requires. Daniel, however, was no ordinary man. As you'll remember, the secret to Daniel's amazing mental and physical abilities were revealed in Daniel 1. You'll remember, Daniel refused the intoxicating effects of alcohol and the heavy meat diet that the rest of the Babylonian nobility were enjoying from the king's table. Instead, he requested a vegetable diet with plenty of water to drink. The result was that he and his friends were 10 times wiser than the rest of the students enrolled at the so-called University of Babylon. You know, it probably would do us well to practice the diet of Daniel ourselves. Now, as a side note, Daniel's diet was actually God's original planned diet for the human race. In Genesis 1.29, in giving the original diet, God said these words, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. You know, Daniel treated his body as God had outlined it should be treated. In addition to his diet, we see other things that were different about Daniel. Daniel 6 records that Daniel prayed regularly to the God of heaven. He had a relationship that he had carried on since he was a young man. Friends, it's in a relationship with God through prayer 
and the study of his word that Daniel was given grace and strength to meet each day's duties. In addition, it allowed him to be God's representative to the kingly courts of Babylon and Medo-Persia. And so at the ripe age of 85, Daniel believed that the scriptures were authoritative and inspired. This was because he saw the fulfillment of prophecy after prophecy, even in the most unlikely possibilities. He even lived to see part of the prophecy of Daniel 2 actually fulfilled in his life when Babylon fell to Medo-Persia. This is why he could trust the Bible's recommendation for health and lifestyle, which, by the way, went contrary to the best recommendations of the Babylonians, which was the most powerful and influential nation on the face of the earth at that time. So as a result, although it would be highly unlikely for an 85-year-old to function as a head of state. Daniel's belief in the scripture, his relationship with God, gives us a view into what God can do in the lives of those who trust in his word. Now, the second strike that was against Daniel was that he belonged to a captive and conquered race. Now, later in Daniel 6, when the administrators of the Medo-Persian Empire accused Daniel of breaking the law, they referred to him as that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah. It is not exactly flattering to either the king or the rest of the administrators of Medo-Persia to select as chief governor someone who comes from what was in their minds an inferior race. Now, the third strike against Daniel was that it is extremely rare for someone like Daniel, who had held a high office in Babylon, to now be chosen as the chief governor of the Medo-Persian realm, who had conquered the Babylonians. Although the Persians, on occasion, would leave indigenous rulers and officials of conquered territories in place, they did not extend that privilege to Babylon. You'll remember Belshazzar, the co-regent or the co-king of Babylon, he was slain the very night the city was taken, and Nabonidus, the other co-regent or co-king, he was exiled to the faraway province of Carmania. So startling was this turn of events that one writer compared placing Daniel as chief governor over Medo-Persia to the British people asking Hermann Goring, the first minister of their mortal enemy Germany, to become prime minister of Britain after the collapse of the Nazis. However, in spite of these three strikes against Daniel, Darius discerned something special in this man. The Bible says that Daniel possessed an excellent spirit that resulted in him distinguishing himself from the other leaders in the empire. This was not the first time that royalty had noticed that Daniel had an excellent spirit. In Daniel 4.8, King Nebuchadnezzar recognized that the Spirit of God was at work in Daniel. 
In Daniel 5.12, the queen mother reminded Belshazzar that Daniel was filled with the Spirit of God. And in both of those instances, the best of the wise men of Babylon could not solve the pressing problems that were at hand. So possessing an excellent spirit, it meant that Daniel had extraordinary abilities. Now, according to Daniel 5.12, it meant that he had, and I am quoting from Daniel 5.12, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas. And in addition to that, Daniel 4.9 emphasizes that his excellent spirit enabled him to reveal secrets. However, having an excellent spirit also meant that Daniel was the epitome of diplomacy, wisdom, and tact. And all of these qualities were the direct result of his trust in the scriptures and his relationship with God. And so it was with credentials like those that Darius quickly saw that Daniel's age, the inferiority of his race, and the custom of executing or not using previous prime ministers would not stand in his way of appointing Daniel as chief governor. Yet, there was still another highly improbable event, and that is mentioned in Daniel 6 and in verse 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. It was certainly understandable or natural for those Medo-Persian princes to be jealous of Daniel. However, how improbable is it that they would band all of their collective investigative powers and find nothing to discredit Daniel? Friends, this is virtually impossible. We see it in elections today. That candidate or candidates, they appear trustworthy, above reproach. And then something is found in their history and on their record. But with Daniel, there was nothing. It's very unusual to find no fault in the administrative practices of one who is being highly scrutinized by others who would love to have his job. But it was not only Daniel's administrative practices that were above board. These men could not even find any fault in the man himself. There was nothing. Daniel didn't have an attitude problem. He wasn't disrespectful. He wasn't lazy. He wasn't arrogant, mean-spirited, bigoted, or holier than thou. Now think about it. It's one thing for your friends and supporters to speak well of you, but it's quite another when your enemies are forced to declare that they can neither find fault with your administration or with you as a person. You see, Daniel not only believed that the scriptures were the truth, 
but he was willing to put everything they recommended into practice. Here's the key, friends. He not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk. And that was the very essence of his life. Now, there was another, a third, highly improbable event that occurred. This third event revolves around the scheme to entrap Daniel. Now, because Daniel was above reproach, the princes of the realm attempted to bring Daniel down. The only way they could do so was to make illegal Daniel's religious practice. And so these princes tricked the king into signing a decree that no one could worship any other god except the king himself for 30 days. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Daniel was willing to continue to pray to the God of heaven despite the certainty of a death penalty. And that death penalty involved being thrown into a lion's den and being devoured by lions. If there was ever a time for Daniel to give up on a belief that he always suspected was a lie, that time was now. The reality is, history demonstrates that there are very few people who are willing to die for something that they know is untrue. This is why, in the face of impending death, many confess to crimes that they committed many years ago. On their deathbed, they have nothing more to fear from an earthly court. But many of them do not want to face a heavenly tribunal while still hiding terrible secrets that took place many years before. And so in the same manner, that time was perfect for Daniel to declare that his belief was nothing more than a hoax. It would have spared his life. But there is no record of Daniel forsaking his relationship with God. Why? Because his God was real. And his relationship with God was real, very real. And that continues today for each and every one of us. But for Daniel then, in unbending integrity, in the face of certain death, his life testified to the truth of what he believed. And so for Daniel... Even if all of the princes, even if all the people in the entire realm believed that his religion was inferior and a lie, Daniel still stood fast for what he believed. And in the aftermath of that decision to be unwavering in his belief, a fourth highly improbable event occurred. And what was that fourth event? Daniel was thrown into a den of hungry lions and he was not eaten. He was not even touched. How is that even possible? 
Friends, you can be certain that the scheming princes made sure that those lions were hungry. They did not want to see any possibility of failure in their attempt to get rid of Daniel. Yet, the morning after Daniel had been thrown into the lion's den, the Bible records that King Darius arose very early in the morning to see what had happened. And Daniel 6, 20 to 22, records the amazing interaction. Listen here, Darius crying out, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Absolutely astonishing. Daniel was rescued from the lions. This was truly miraculous. The lions were indeed hungry. Because in the aftermath, the king was so infuriated with the princes that he knew of their scheme. He threw them into the den of lions. And Daniel records their sad fate. It simply says, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. My dear friend, This event in the life of Daniel is a testimony to two distinct realities. First, those who decide to place their trust in God's word and enter into a relationship with him experience many highly improbable things in their lives that others do not. Second, is the demonstration that God doesn't always deliver us from our trials, problems, and challenges, but rather he walks through them with us. He gives us the strength to make it through no matter what happens. Friends, all of that would be enough, but there is a fifth highly improbable event that occurred in the events of Daniel 6. It is connected to the fourth, and I want you to listen carefully now. Daniel was miraculously delivered without changing in any way the unalterable decree that sealed his fate. Now, follow me here. There was absolutely no earthly way in which Daniel could escape. The king had signed the decree, which according to the law of the Medes and Persians, was unalterable. This prevented any human earthly legal attempt at rescuing Daniel. The king himself tried to do it, but was unsuccessful. In addition, a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the entrance with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords. That, according to Daniel 6.17, the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Those wily princes, 
They obviously did not trust the king and fearing that he might engineer a rescue, they insisted that their seals be affixed to the stone in addition to the king's. And in the end, although Darius saw a lot of excellent qualities in Daniel, he was not willing, he was not ready to exalt Daniel's God by breaking laws and saving him. Because if he would have done so, it would have demonstrated to all the subjects of his realm that Daniel's God was supreme. However, after it was all said and done, ultimately the true God of heaven was exalted. Why? Because, my dear friends, just as the highly improbable nature of the prophecies and their fulfillment speak to the certainty and reliability of the scriptures, so does an individual's spirit-filled life that leads to living according to biblical principles, no matter what the cost. Darius saw that in Daniel. He observed the outworking of God's providence and the amazing way that Daniel stood for principle and how God delivered him through an impossible situation. What about you, friend? Where are you in your walk with the Lord? You know, chapter after chapter of the Bible demonstrates that God is real and that he cares for you and he wants to be in relationship with you. You know, the promise of scripture is not that you will be rich. It does not promise that you'll never get sick. It doesn't promise that bad things will never happen. But God's promise is found in Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. He will take care of us. He will walk with us through the trials of life. This is why Joshua 1.9 promises, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Today, friend, why not reach out your hand? Clasp his hand. Trust him. For he is trustworthy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are trustworthy and that you've given us a trustworthy map of your scriptures. May we embrace that and embrace a relationship with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, do you want to pursue that relationship with God? I want to offer to you today the book, Steps to Christ. Here's the information you need for today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. 
Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. Friend, thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like more resources, go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca. Please join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Thank you.